From Pittsburgh to Harrisburg, Greensburg to Gettysburg, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, inflation topped the list of employer concerns as confidence in the state's business climate drops. Those were the key findings of the Lincoln Institute's Spring 2023 Keystone Business Climate Survey. David Taylor is joined for a Capital Watch look at the results by Rebecca Euler from the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association and Stephen Bloom of the Commonwealth Foundation. And Pennsylvania's state-related universities have become woke factories rather than educational institutions as free speech rights are trampled. I'll have a town hall commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to our Capital Watch crew in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. Limiting the negative impact of social media on underage children is the goal of bipartisan legislation being introduced by State Senator Kristen Phillips-Hill, a York County Republican, and Philadelphia Democratic State Senator Vincent Hughes. The legislation would require consent from a legal parent or guardian for anyone under the age of 16 to open a social media account. It would require social media platforms to notify a parent or guardian if a child under the age of 16, in fact, opens an account, and it would prohibit data mining for children under the age of 18. Similar legislation is being proposed in Congress and other states, including Connecticut and Ohio. Charter school students, along with their parents and advocacy groups, rallied at the state capitol this past week for more equitable funding for their schools. They also want an independent authorization process for approving charter schools, taking away that power from local school districts, which are frequently hostile, and attempt to prevent the opening of charter schools. States across the nation are giving parents more school choice options and the funding to support those choices. Pennsylvania notably lags behind in providing such educational freedoms. Transparency in state government became a significant problem during the COVID-19 pandemic when the Wolf administration temporarily closed the Office of Open Records and became notorious for failing to make vital information available to the public. Now State Senator Chris Dush has proposed legislation that would make it a third-degree felony to destroy any record that is the subject of a right-to-know request. Dush's bill passed out of the Senate State Government Committee last week and now awaits action by the full Senate. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. By a two-to-one margin, Pennsylvania business owners and top-line executives say the state's economy is on the wrong track and they think the business climate has gotten worse over the past six months. To learn more about results of the Lincoln Institute's Spring 2023 Keystone Business Climate Survey, we turn to our Capital Watch crew. David Taylor from the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association is joined by Rebecca Euler from the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association and by Stephen Bloom of the Commonwealth Foundation. David? Welcome once again to Capital Watch, where we keep an eye on what's happening under the Capitol Dome in Harrisburg for you. I'm your host, David Taylor, President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association. With me in the studio, your Capital Watch All-Stars from the Commonwealth Foundation, Vice President Steve Bloom. Great to be here, David. Great to be with you, too. And 
the uh, CEO, the president, the leader, the boss lady in charge of the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association, Rebecca Euler. Great to be here, David. Thank well, you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Always a joy to be with my friends, to talk about what's going on. So big news this week is that our friends at the Lincoln Institute for Public Opinion Research, that they have conducted their twice yearly Keystone Business Climate Survey. And so we have all kinds of hot off the press, fresh data to go through about what the leaders and decision makers, owner operators at Pennsylvania's businesses think about the state of the economy. So as everyone can guess, I, um, I I imagine, you know, it's no surprise to anyone that inflation is a big concern to those business decision makers and current economic conditions are uh, top of the list for their concerns. Um, along with keeping qualified employees, which we know has been an issue for a long time, but I think that just sort of pyramids on top of the inflation issues and the economic conditions um, that they're citing as uh, just really concerning right now and not feeling so good about the future. Yeah, and the uh, business confidence overall, like the top line number, um, is is really kind of harrowing. Where where sixty percent of business owners and top executives says that say the Pennsylvania's economy is on the wrong track. And we look at inflation, and again this week there were new figures that came out of uh, the federal government, and once again inflation is is still on the warpath, four point nine percent inflation. And some some news outlets have treated that as if somehow that's good news. Uh, what that means is <laughs> it's still 4.9% inflation on top of the last year and a half or two of, yes. of rather extreme inflation. So yes, it's yes. not as if prices are coming down. No, far, far from that. Yes. In fact, they are still spiraling. It's like saying that you're getting better because you're getting sicker at a slower rate. Yes, exactly. And so this is a big deal. Like this is shaking the confidence of those, again, who are – Ultimately, the ones who are going to invest in Pennsylvania, they're the ones who are going to create the jobs and, and the, the opportunities for people to generate income, but also tax revenue for the right, state. And right, it starts right. to create a vicious cycle when they are nervous and they're very nervous. And it speaks to, you know, the, the biggest problem with Pennsylvania state budget is that we have a structural deficit. And we've discussed this before. And what that means is a structural deficit is that the growth in mandatory spending increases at a rate greater than the natural growth of the economy and that those taxpayer funded services are you know for the poor folks and for senior citizens and what we should be able of course we've made these promises we've got to keep these promises to people who need help the challenge is that we don't have enough people in their working years who are you know who are again adding value and earning and paying taxes um, to pay for the things that we need to pay for. So um, if we – you know, ultimately, the one thing that the, the government can't do, it cannot compel people to invest, hire, um, expand and operate a business. The, the, you, the, the government can't order people to, to start a business and if people don't do that, then again, there's no, there's no wealth to redistribute. And, and this is the, the numbers that we're seeing in the poll results. By a two-to-one margin, the poll respondents say that Pennsylvania's economy is on the wrong track. Mm-hmm. 44% say business conditions have gotten worse. In the past six months. Exactly. And th- this is not the, the news that any of us want to hear when we, again, uh, we, we need to, to have a sense that 
investing in Pennsylvania is a wise investment, one that will yield benefits because that will draw the capital we need to create good family-sustaining jobs and, and keep our kids and our grandkids able, if they wish to, to stay in Pennsylvania. These are the kind of numbers. This is the kind of pessimism that, that starts that downward spiral where, where everyone just says, you know what? I don't feel confident investing in Pennsylvania. I'm going to go to a state where I know that they will treat me right, that the regulations will be reasonable, the tax structure will be reasonable, that there will be a good education system. And we're seeing people voting with their feet, and that, that includes these business leaders. Yeah, there was a, um, a survey. It's an annual thing, and I'm trying to remember which entity it came from. It was one of the, you know, one of the economic groups. It may have been the, 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 the tax foundation, but that uh, Pennsylvania remains a heavy outbound state. That of the fifty states that were number forty three um with uh with with people leaving as opposed to to moving in and it's that's not good being in the bottom ten is not is not where you want to be and just for folks who are who are you know thank you for keeping this company. I know that it's hard to talk about numbers uh, on the radio, but um all of this data is available at the Lincoln Institute website, which is um <laughs> Very straightforward, lincolninstitute.org. So, you know, please, when you get the chance, take a look. You can you can read through this stuff for yourself to see what we're talking about. Um, Rebecca, what were what were other takeaways? What were things that jumped out at you from the survey results? Well, one of my big takeaways was um, these business leaders were asked about uh, vocational and technical education, which is something we talk about here a lot on the program in that um, there's a lot of jobs um, that folks are trying to fill in in industries that don't require a college education. And in my industry, especially diesel technicians, um, drivers, we're shorter drivers in the trucking industry. Um, those are jobs that don't require a college education. And 60 percent of the business uh, leaders in this poll think that Pennsylvania public schools are not putting enough emphasis on vocational and technical education. So I think the industry leaders in my industry would agree with that uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a big takeaway. I think, um, you know, people are starting to recognize that we really need to do a better job of making sure that our kids know what great opportunities there are out there, because we also know that um, from this survey that folks are having trouble finding employment employees. So um, there's, you know, that's two sides of the same coin here. Um, So a lot of these jobs are the types of career that um, are taught at vocational and technical schools. So we need to do a better job of making sure that students know that those careers are out there. Yeah. And, you know, the listeners have heard me, you know, tell my tale of woe that in manufacturing that we have thousands uh, of open positions, probably around 6,000 open positions at any given time, and that these are high-paying, family-sustaining jobs, great wages, great benefits and, and um, retirement contributions and all this stuff, and we can't find people. And so it's distressing. And of course, you, you know, you've got the, the two factors there with the um, – with having difficulty finding people, but then also because of the workforce shortage, you have poaching, and that's why it's harder to keep uh, your we, people. And we too. look, at, look yeah. at those numbers: thirty percent reported difficulty in keeping qualified employees, and twenty-five percent said they are having difficulty finding qualified employees. So it's a double whammy. Even if you can recruit them, you're still at risk of losing them. And again, this is the kind of thing that just makes any sort of a business leader, business owner, business investor uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's ultimately going to curtail their willingness to invest here in our state. Right. 37% expect things to get worse over the next six months. 
I, I will note though, Rebecca, on your point, that support for vocational technical training and career technical centers, that those are things that Governor Shapiro has said that he wants to support. And hopefully that can be a consensus point um, that our lawmakers and decision makers can can get together on as the state budget proceeds. Yes, that would be great. You're listening to Capital Watch. I'm your host, David Taylor from Pennsylvania Manufacturers. With me, Steve Bloom from Commonwealth Foundation and Rebecca Euler from the Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association. So in this survey, um, the business owners, the senior executives were also asked a number of, um, of policy questions to get their opinions uh, about, about that. And it was noted that the, one of the coal-fired power plants out in Indiana County uh, has announced that they're going to be shutting down. And the business owners were asked about their confidence in the reliability of the grid and that 42% said that they have not much or no confidence that Pennsylvania's electric grid will be able to continue supplying the state's electricity needs. 30% have some confidence, 16% have a lot of confidence. So for for the people who will you know, who are responsible for keeping the lights on and keeping their operations underway, that is a really damning number that they that these business folks have lost confidence in the reliability of the grid. And again, the, the thing that's important about this poll that we're discussing today is it's not just a poll of random individuals or registered voters. It's a poll of those who are closest to the fullest on-the-ground understanding of what the Pennsylvania business climate is, these executives and owners of these enterprises in Pennsylvania. They're technically proficient. They're, they're well-versed in logistics. They know what it, what it takes to turn the lights on and run machinery in a factory and all those things. And they're saying – Again, it's a stunning number. You you went you went over, but forty two percent that said they have not much or no confidence that Pennsylvania's electric grid will be able to continue supplying our electrical needs. It's terrifying. That is terrifying. And again, the in the know people are are talking about this. Regular consumers maybe aren't aware of how close we are to the edge already. And it's not because we don't have the resources. Pennsylvania Correct. has the coal and the and the oil and the natural gas to literally power the world. But because of environmental pressures, because of unreasonable green energy policies, we are driving this energy production business out of our state and out of our country, putting ourselves at terrible risk. And when those lights go off next winter or the next winter in the middle of January when it's two degrees yeah. outside, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really uh, – it's, it's going to be an embarrassment th- and a threat to yeah. our state. Yeah, yeah. And, and a threat to human scary. life because it, it's, it is very scary that, you know, that it'll be, you know, not just businesses but homes and schools and hospitals and retirement communities. And all unnecessary. Correctly. Correct. You're we exactly have, correct we have about clean that. natural gas reserves to last several hundred years here yes. in Pennsylvania, keeping the environment safe, lowering the level, levels of, of air pollution and water pollution, and yet – the environmental left is telling us you can't touch that stuff. Yeah, well, and it's it's totally insane because also at the same time that the that the radical greens are are demanding that we electrify everything, that the same groups are also opposing deploying new electric transmission lines. The accumulated result of their policy preferences is like civilizational suicide. That's absolutely right. And to me, it's just like Steve said, that this tells me that these folks who answered the survey are really in the know. Because just last week, I heard the um, regional electric supplier PJM's president testify in a Senate hearing uh, that electric demand just is simply outstripping supply 
on our current trajectory. And he said that he has real concerns about supply. So this tells me that these folks really do understand the situation. And from my perspective, in an industry that's in in some ways going full throttle toward electric, electric vehicles, electric trucks, um, EPA is pushing us down that road. Um, that is going to substantially increase the amount of power that we're going to need, even, you know, unaccounted for at this point. So we haven't even, uh, when we're talking about the demand on electric electricity supply right now, we're not even accounting for the 40% increase that it's going to take to electrify vehicles. Yeah, and there's no end to the madness that the Biden administration wants the U.S. Department of Defense to right. to go over to electric vehicles. There was one uh, one veteran who responded, I saw a lot of IEDs in Iraq, but no, no charging stations. Uh, other questions that were posed to Pennsylvania's business owners, business leaders, asked about community safety, talking about crime. Um, ask whether they think their community is safer or more dangerous than two years ago. 41% say their community is more dangerous. 46 say public safety is about the same. 7% say their communities are more safe. So again, the, the importance of this opinion result is these people will be making decisions about where they choose to to operate their business, where they choose to expand or whether they choose to move. And so when you have 41 percent of business executives saying that they believe their communities are more dangerous, that's the kind of, that's the kind of factor that could convince someone to say, I need to go someplace else because I need to, I need to be able to attract good workers and that people are not going to want to bring their families to a community that is not safe. And it's, it's the kind of statistic that impacts in particular it's, – it's regionally focused in many cases. So you have uh, some of the, the major cities in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia in particular, where because of extremely liberal policies by the, the um, district attorney, uh-huh. is, is, it's – I mean, people can see the the decay, the 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 fact that the city is getting less safe right. by the day, by the week. Right, and businesses there are alarmed, and that that could cause them either to move to outlying areas or simply bail out of Pennsylvania entirely. And and anyway, it's it's a common sense decision. You've got to, if you're going to have employees, you want to provide for them a safe, clean work environment where they feel comfortable. Yep. It, it goes into the issues with retaining and attracting employees to begin with. And if if business leaders are are losing confidence in something as basic as public safety mm-hmm. at that rate, it doesn't speak well for future investment here in our state and in particular in the areas that are being hardest hit by crime. We've got to flip that up completely upside down and focus our efforts on those areas where, where the crime is most focused and then make sure the the entire state is safe. Yeah, I was thinking to myself here, one of the things we often say in the business uh, community is that we need predictability and stability um, for business success. And we've been talking about that, that um, businesses will not invest in their uh, business if they don't feel as though the future is going to be predictable and stable, which Mm -hmm. is what we're concerned about it's here. It's like taking a but, calculated risk. Right. We, we'll, we, if, if, there's a, if we know what the parameters are, we can make a calculated risk, sure. but no one wants yep. to take a leap in the dark. Yeah. So, But what I was thinking as we're sitting here talking is we talk about predictability and stability. Never before that I can remember have we talked about safety as a part of that. Predictability, security, and now we're adding safety. So I think that's – it's just something that I had never thought about before, but now we're in the realm of public safety. And this is where we are. I mean, again, in, it's it's a problem in many areas of the state. 
but in Philadelphia, where you know they, there are now regularly 500 murders a year, a thousand carjackings a year. You look at the heat map as to where those carjackings and killings occurred. You can't go three blocks in any direction, except in the far northeast. The far northeast, that it still happens. It just doesn't happen as much. But man, the rest of the city. Um, it, it's it's really very scary, even just a few blocks from Independence Hall. Business investment is just not going to happen um, when we're in an environment like that. And that's just really concerning. And Philadelphia is the poorest big city in America. If there ever was a place that could really use, uh, you know, a shot in the arm with private investment, private capital and new opportunities, um, you know, that would be the place. So um, anyway, as we're winding down here, just sort of Closing thoughts, overview, what's your sort of overview takeaway from all this, Steve? My sense is that that those who are leading our businesses and making the most important decisions about the the economic base of Pennsylvania are very worried, mm-hmm. very concerned, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. Most notably, I think it's it's really at the root of it all is, is the, the this incessant inflation that, that has been making everything unpredictable and difficult for Creators, manufacturers, uh, retailers, everyone in the business world is is really um, struggling to overcome the issue with this chronic inflation we have. And that's being led out of Washington, D.C., and they've got to take action to fix it. Rebecca, what about what about you? Absolutely agree with that. I don't have much to add, except maybe there's an opportunity for policymakers in Pennsylvania to start to take this to heart and make some decisions in Pennsylvania that will add, you know, a a little bit of uh, hope and opportunity in the Keystone State. Yeah, well, I I hope you're right. I, I Winston Churchill said the Americans always do the right thing after they've exhausted every other option. And I really wish that that our leaders could address uh, these these kinds of major issues before they turn into a crisis. But it seems to me that crisis is imminent with the combination of all these factors. Um, Again, we're grateful to our friends at the Lincoln Institute for uh, compiling this data, compi- you know, doing their twice yearly Keystone Business Climate Survey. Um, there's a deep archive of uh, surveys from over the years, and it's all available on LincolnInstitute.org. So anyway, let's go around the horn. Steve, where can people learn more about you and your group and what you do? They can stop by CommonwealthFoundation.org on the Internet. Outstanding. Rebecca, what about you? Pennsylvania Motor Truck Association is at pmta.org. Excellent. And as always, you can find me online at pamanufacturers.org and on the Pennsylvania Cable Network on Sunday mornings at 8.30 with PMA Perspective. So uh, again, from Steve and Rebecca and me, thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time on Capital Watch. And now a town hall commentary from Loman Henry. Thank you, David. It is budget time in Harrisburg. And the line of special interest claiming the world will come to an end if more taxpayer largesse is not bestowed upon them virtually extends from the Capitol steps down State Street to the banks of the Susquehanna River. The clamor for more money emanating from the education establishment is especially loud. In the wake of a Commonwealth court ruling that somehow found Pennsylvania's funding formula for K-12 public schools to be unconstitutional, Demands for higher spending have skyrocketed to over a billion dollars. That, however, is a subject for another day. Higher education is also on its knees, begging for more money. 
the state-related institutions, Penn State, the University of Pittsburgh, Temple University, and Lincoln University, along with the 14 universities in the Pennsylvania State System of Higher Education, all are demanding more money, backed by the not-so-subtle threat that they will raise tuition and blame lawmakers if the requested funds are not forthcoming. These institutions have been hemorrhaging two things in recent years, money and students, Fortified by the belief that Harrisburg will shovel never-ending amounts of cash into their coffers, these universities have recklessly overbuilt their physical plants, allowed their administrative staffs to become bloated, approved excessively generous labor agreements, and have failed to adapt to the changing needs of today's workforce, all making their product no longer worth the investment for many prospective students. The biggest failure of higher education is their total capitulation to woke culture, abandoning their traditional role of teaching students how to think and instead indoctrinating them with what to think. Actual debate and discourse have been shoved aside and replaced with a rigid framework of speech, thought, and behavior codes. Cancel culture recently descended on the University of Pittsburgh when swimmer Riley Gaines who has become the face of opposition to biological males competing in women's sports, Daily Wire commentator Michael Knowles and Daily Wire podcaster Cabot Phillips were scheduled to participate in a debate on such issues. Participate in a debate, not a speech, but an actual discussion of a current cultural issue. Leftist lawmakers demanded they not be allowed to speak. The university administration gave lip service to free speech, while making it clear the speakers did not share their values. When the debate took place, the left deployed its go-to tactic when it doesn't get its way. They took to the streets in protest, burning Knowles in effigy, and setting off what the media termed an incendiary device. It amounted to a brat fit by a group of intolerant students protesting what they deemed to be intolerance. Penn State, which claims the right to deny any campus appearance they deem to be, quote, considered potentially harmful to the school's public image, also engages in cancel culture. In April, an appearance by Alex Stein, who hosts a program on Glenn Beck's Blaze TV, was postponed because of a supposed scheduling conflict after students protested his appearance. Penn State's record of canceling speakers with which it does not agree is so bad The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education has placed it on its list of the 10 worst colleges in the nation for free speech. Conversely, a Google search found no record of any far-left speakers being canceled at state universities or protests by conservative-leaning students to such events. If conservative students did not want to hear the speaker, well, they simply did not go to the event. The bottom line here is that we, the taxpayers, are subsidizing educational institutions which tolerate woke mobs opposing the exercise of free speech by speakers with whom they disagree. Right now, under the Capitol Dome, those same educational institutions are lobbying for more of our money to continue the suppression of free speech. Lawmakers should not only refuse to increase funding, rather they should demand across-the-board reforms ranging from free speech rights to the financial mismanagement that has resulted in ever-increasing costs to produce diminishing returns. Rather than asking how much more we should spend, we should be asking, 
are we already spending too much? As for free speech, university officials need to be reminded of the famous quote by Voltaire biographer Evelyn Beatrice Hall, who summed up his philosophy writing, quote, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. With a town hall commentary, I'm Loman Henry. If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. For 28 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WKVE-FM in Mount Pleasant, WEDOAM in White Oak, along with WISLAM in Shemokin, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, and the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal, plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.